Welcome to Inside Impact Investing, our monthly podcast series on macroeconomics. And this is a special version on Ukraine and the war with Russia. As we discussed a week ago in our podcast, discussing the Ukraine tensions, we had a different opinion and the world has changed dramatically since then. So we will discuss now the macroeconomic consequences of the current situation. But before we dive into that, we first want to stress that this is foremost a human tragedy and our thoughts are with all the victims of this war and we hope the suffering will end soon. It's always hard to bridge then and go to the economic part, but we still do that because of its interest for our own lives, for our clients, etc. We will do it together. So my name is Hans Stegeman, Chief Investment Strategist. And with me are Maritza Cabezas and Yuri de Wilde, also working at Triodos Investment Management. Let's just dive into the topic. A lot is unknown <laughs> to start with. Uh, we're still in the middle of a war. We saw the last few days, the first economic analysis coming out of. And uh, maybe Yuri, you can start. What is happening? A lot is happening, of course. And if we take a look at the economic perspective, which of course is, is not the most important, but we are economists, so we do have to take a look at it. Then we can clearly see that, of course, Europe is mostly impacted through its natural gas imports from uh, Russia. Germany is a very important importer. Almost 60% of natural gas comes from Russia. So, of course, this will have uh, severe consequences. And we already saw that uncertainty led to higher natural gas prices. And of course, this, this is uh, important because we already were struggling with elevated inflation. So this will only uh, heighten that uh, issue. So um, more problems for inflation going forward. And this is especially a concern for Europe. So that, that's energy. Of course, we also have the sanctions to Russia. Russia is, in terms of GDP, a very small economy. But can you also say what, what sanctions are doing? Or maybe Maritza can, can also come in and what, what sanctions do to the economy at the moment? Yeah, of course, what you see is that although Russia is not a very important economy, there are some trading partners in Europe that are important to Russia and, and vice versa. So yet there you see also a direct impact on the economic growth in the, in the near term. Broader, you can see that uh, supply chains are disrupted. So this will also have an effect on global GDP. We already saw that uh, there were some initial analysis made uh, about the potential impacts of this issue on global GDP. And for now, they estimate that that will be uh, approximately a 1% lower uh, GDP level in 2023. So that is um, severe. For the global economy. For the global economy. And, yeah. and then, like you said before, the mostly hit in, in, in Europe, probably. Yeah, the, most, the most substantial hit is in Europe. And Maritza, maybe also go to the biggest part of the world, I would say, to emerging markets. Do you see already something there happening? Well, obviously, because the epicenter is in Russia and we are seeing that the sanctions are intensifying, we see that uh, Russia is becoming gradually isolated from the world, particularly uh, from a financial perspective. And probably we will see that Russia in time will fall into a deep recession. We see that the the currency, the ruble, is already on a plummeting. And obviously, investors are watching how will this spill over to other emerging markets. And in a first stage, we're seeing that there is clearly a discrimination between commodity exporters and commodity importers. 
because the first phase of this conflict has resulted in surging commodity prices, we are seeing that these commodity exporting emerging economies are benefiting, to name a few, for example, Brazil, South Africa. But obviously, it will be very painful for commodity importers and the ones that were highly reliant, let's say, on uh, on these imports, including the Philippines, Egypt. So it's a dual story, but mm -hmm. obviously we have to wait to understand what the duration of the crisis means. I think in the long run, the global economy will be hurt. So th th this is really the first take. Huh? So this commodity energy prices difference in its sanctions, and we don't, of course do not know what Russia will do as retaliation for the sanctions. So how, how it can spiral, we, we don't know. Mm -hmm. And supply chains, we see some first hints on it. Uh, and not to forget confidence and sentiment, I think mostly in, in, in the Eurozone will have some effect. And we are still at the very early stage of this war. And if you would look at the global economy for the coming weeks, what, where should we look at? What do you think will be most important the coming time to... So to watch, to see how it develops, because we don't have any data now at the moment. I think what will be very important is that at the moment you see that energy exports are still not included in the sanctions. So if that also will happen, then it will have a severe near-term impact on the global economy. You do see that there are already a lot of individual companies um, that are not involved anymore in the importing from Russia oil mainly, not natural gas. So going forward, if this will uh, be uh, formalized, that will be a clear threat to the near-term uh, outlook for the global economy. Yeah. I think that right now we're living in a phase where countries are still relying on their inventories for the energy part. And I think as uh, inventories deplete, then we will probably start feeling the pain because in the short run, there is little to do to substitute, let's say, the energy that was mm -hmm. coming or the commodities that were coming both from Russia and the Ukraine. So as supply chains become uh, more stressed, given the importance of the raw materials that they exported, I think we will begin to see some pressure on inflation, which was already, let's say, there before yeah. The, yeah. the conflict. To round off this part, I would say, so we will see economic consequences, especially in the Eurozone, uh, now especially in Russia, I would say, and then in the Eurozone, emerging markets, a different picture for different parts of the world. And all depends on how long it will take, what how sanctions will evolve, et cetera, et cetera. Now let's go to the impact on financial markets and investments. If we take this picture, and this is more our long term, this is what we expect, Market reactions for the last weeks or the last days, uh, and I'm looking at Yuri, you cannot see it, but it's hard to see what is happening. Maybe you can explain. Sometimes it went up, it went down. and True, true. And, and also what um, was very remarkable, I thought, was that there was a muted reaction overall in, in the first few days. So you didn't see a real crash in the equity markets. Last uh, day, you did see uh, a sharp uh, drop in government bond yields. And I think what... What is most important in this whole story for financial markets is uh, inflation. Because if you, if you look at inflation, it was already very elevated. And this was uh, worrying uh, the financial markets. And uh, they were mostly worried that central banks would tighten too abruptly. And indeed, central banks like the US Federal Reserve and the ECB did hint at the start of the tightening cycle. But now, of course, you also have the impact on economic growth for uh, these uh, regions. 
So in that respect, and uh, while I'm telling this, the light goes off. <laughs> but in, in it's, it's just getting hell. So it's about the energy. So this yeah. is about uh, and being energy efficient. Yeah, so that's true. So and in, in, yeah, we're doing our that's part. That's where we are heading, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but so now financial markets are taking stock and they are trying to assess what will be the reaction of central banks. And what you could see over the last few days is that there indeed was a drop in the government bond yields. And that was in anticipation of less aggressive central bank tightening. So that's really what's happening at the moment. And yeah, they're watching what central banks will do. Maybe to go back to our previous podcast, then we said, yeah, there's a lot of priced in eh, on hikes from central banks. And we already said, not to claim our victory, but we already said, no, it will not go that fast. We, did, we didn't predict the war, of course. But if you see the reaction now, my reading of it is that there's a real difference between the Eurozone and, and what is expected from the ECB and what's expected from the Fed. Yeah, that's true. And that, of course, relates to the impact of the crisis, because you can clearly see that the U.S. is less impacted because it has less ties to Russia, both energy and other trade. And on the other hand, there is even more elevated inflation in the U.S. So you would assume that the central bank from the U.S. is more inclined to be aggressive than the ECB, where there is also now really a doubt on the near-term uh, growth prospects. Yeah. And, th- and that could also mean that we have some effects on the, on the dollar if uh, the, the Fed will continue to, or mm-hmm. will start uh, hiking rates and the ECB will not, so the euro-dollar might... Uh, yeah, the dollar will strengthen further yeah. probably. Yeah. yeah, that could be the case. Let's go to a little bit more into the markets and then we have two perspectives. On the one hand, the equity market, and, and I think that's also nice to talk a little about what changed there, but also to emerging markets and uh, direct investments. Can you tell something about that, Maritza? Well, uh, yes, Triodos Investment Management is in the Ukraine. We have uh, several investments there. They're situated in different parts of the country, including in the the capital, also one on the western part. And uh, our colleagues, the investment teams, are in permanent contact with the investees. Basically, the news that we're getting is that their main goal now is trying to stay alive. But I think that uh, we're showing all the support that we can at a distance. And I think uh, there there have been some communications that have been sent out to show how the support that can be given to them. But I think uh, we we need to wait and see in what other ways we as Triodos Investment Management uh, can offer help. That's for the direct investments in the Ukraine. Of course, we have a, a broader portfolio. In, and is that story more or less the same as what you told before? So the, the commodity depending countries are more affected than others or is it too easy to say? Well, what we do see is that obviously right now everyone is on top of what the interlinkages are. So uh, Russia is a big player in the region, not only for Europe, but also Asia is uh, provided a lot of energy, a lot of staple foods, corn, wheat also come from uh, Russia and Mm -hmm. Ukraine. So these are the secondary impacts and everybody is now working on assessing how the spillover effects roll out. And uh, obviously what we do see is Latin America because it's more distance because it's a commodity exporting region. Well, the performance there, even in inequity markets, is is much more favorable. Yeah. And the, that is, uh, let's say, given that economic and financial relationships are, are not, not so strong, let's yeah. say. 
Yuri, I, I think also on the equity market itself. So, so on on average, the reaction was quite muted. So, quite, mm-hmm. but I think underneath different sectors, you saw some some very big differences, which are also very interesting. I think. Yes, of course, and uh, you can expect that uh, going uh, the same in the in the near term, because um, of course, if energy prices are surging, this is good for um, yeah energy companies. It. Probably also important for financials what uh, the interest rate expectations are going forward. And what you saw over the last few days was that the big tech shares, which have been falling in the first part of the year, were now doing better again because, of course, they are less impacted directly from the crisis. So in that respect, you could also expect that this sort of also a safe haven effect because they expect that these big tech companies will weather the storm rather well. Or it could still also be an interest rate story if the long that is, uh, the long that, yields go down and those stocks are more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, well, actually, that's part of the same story. Yeah. yeah. And let's go to our last part, which is more about policy and the energy transition, and a little bit more the longer term picture. Also, this week we we t- almost forget it, but there was a, an important IPCC report on the climate crisis, showing that the pathway to reach 1.5 uh, degree at max is becoming narrower and narrower. And although I clearly understand that in the short run, it does not help to solve your energy dependency on Russia on the longer term, we should do more. And what you see happening, this is a long introduction, but what you see happening is that we see from a fiscal point in, in Europe, a lot of money poured into defense spending, even some people claiming this is also sustainability. But on the one hand, I really see a need of putting more money into climate resilience, et cetera, resource independency, et cetera. So my question, from the short term, what will fiscal spending do on the economic picture and for the longer term, how can we become energy independent? I really think that it is about the money but it's also about how we do things. Mm -hmm. And uh, there I think that there are lessons to be learned from this crisis, from the current conflict. And that is that from an energy strategy perspective, all countries were looking individually at how to be more sustainable. Mm -hmm. And I think that's not the answer. And that's what we're learning now, because if we would look from a regional perspective, if we would look, let's say, from a federal perspective, probably we wouldn't have the problems that we are having now. And I think that's the call now for Europe that it can no longer be looked from an individual country perspective. Mm -hmm. I agree. And also that's what you see, I think, on the financial markets, that that markets see this, that Europe's become more one, so that the the risk premium between countries has declined. True. So what you suggest might also happen at the moment. Yuri, what what do you think about this fiscal policy now? Yeah, I think it's very interesting because I actually think you can break it down in two issues, the near-term issue and the longer-term issue. And people get that mixed up now a little bit, Mm -hmm. I guess, because yes, in the long run, we do have to invest a lot in in the energy transition, but that will not solve our short-term problem. So that is a clear issue that I think there's no easy answer to. And I think personally that we should stick to our plans for investing heavily in the energy transition because that will make us less dependent on Russia. And we should not tempt ourselves to take away money from that um, budget 
then pour it into, for instance, defense spending, because that's what you hear now as well, yeah. that maybe yeah. we should take this longer term money and solve our near term problem. But I think that's not the answer. So in, in Europe, we have the European Green Deal, spending a lot on sustainability and, mm. and innovation, not on defense. This is already a, a large program. Also in Germany, also in the Netherlands, we have climate ideas and a lot of spending will go into that. On top of that comes now a military spending. That would mean a fiscal impulse in the Eurozone. Yeah. Also higher debt. Is that from an economic perspective a good idea? Well, I think emerging markets might have a bit of uh, tips on this topic and the in the sense that when we look at ESG, so environment, social and governance uh, risks under sustainability in emerging markets, we really need to look at the G mm -hmm. because if governance is not good, if there is no rule of law, if we have authoritarian governments, it is very difficult to be successful with the environmental policies. So it, it might seem paradoxical to say but we are facing an environmental crisis. We need to focus there. But as emerging markets have showed us, if we do not have the right governments in place with the right democratic policies that are where people are being looked after, if there are terrorism threats, if there is unrest, then it is very difficult to implement good policies. So I think that there are trade-offs, but we have to be very aware that a balance is needed somewhere. I think that's true. And that's also what we stressed in our last outlook is that if there should be a, a basic level of trust in public institutions and that has to go for the government, but also for the central bank. But coming back to your question, Hans, is it beneficial to have a fiscal impulse now? Well, you could argue, of course, that for the inflation story, that's not beneficial because it will worsen the, the issue. And also in the Eurozone, for instance, inflation is mostly imported. So that's also something that's very difficult to address. What we do have to take into account, of course, is that uh, the lower income households will be mo mostly hurt. So I can imagine that you would try to do something to at least help them to weather the storm. My perspective on this is that we at least have to learn two things. One is defense spending is still important, but definitely not sustainability spending. Mm. So, but it, it is important to protect our own territory also in this century. And the second one that we forgot that one reason to have an energy transition should also be about self-sufficiency, that we can make sure that we, that our economy is resilient. A thing you also heard in Corona times, we should be resilient. And one way to do it is to have your own energy provision, but also your own resources. Uh, so also a circular economy would come in there yeah. and we don't have the luxury to wait. And if I see Germany spending a hundred billion on uh, defense spending, I think we can do the same on renewables or on an energy transition. And I, I hope that will also be an outcome of this severe crisis, but I don't know. Maybe some last words, Maritza, what do you really want to stress at the end of this? I think that right now all our goals, all our strategies are being deviated for something that probably there will be only losers yeah. in the world. And uh, it, it for me, it's still remarkable to think that we are in this situation. So I think that we should concentrate on what really matters and on making also a better world in any way possible mm -hmm. and not only in certain ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. Uh, Yuri? 
it's important to keep in mind that there is no best answer. So, so now we are imposing sanctions on Russia, uh, but I think maybe it's also important to provide a way out for Putin. So not to tighten the, the, the sanctions too much because then it will only escalate and things will only worsen. So I think that's, that's something to, to keep in mind. Yeah, like always, it's a balancing act. Yeah. And we cannot do everything at the same time. And I think that's also what we try to do to do here in the podcast. Uh, we try to give some analysis. We know it's incomplete, but that's it from our side. Thanks for listening. 